uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps, the uh, antenna is tuned uh, into my sleepy whatever patrons. Thanks for supporting the show, and uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'll do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is I got this nice, safe place here, and I've got it ready for you. Uh, you could even observe it at a distance if you wish. Sometimes, you know, that's nice. You say, hey, I'm going to get this. You, you just sit over there. I'm going to set the places. I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pat it. I'm going to rub it down. And you just watch and see if you're, you know, kind of like if you're prepping a bed for a pet. Uh, you say, hey, I'm going to make your bed here, but you don't have to get it. Just watch me get it ready. And then maybe you'll want to get in it too. I've never tried this with a child, but maybe that's a way to say, to get them in bed, say, hey, why don't you watch over there? I'm going to make your bed extra snuggly. Maybe tuck in an imaginary child for that extra, you know, like a little bit of play acting, or maybe talk to the pillows and say, hey, pillows, going to get you comfortable here. Uh, but that's really what I'm I'm trying to do. Then I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents go i'm gonna go off topic uh, get confused use filler words pauses we'll have a few and then <laughs> some more but uh, intentional and accidental pauses gratuitous ones oh boy and uh, <laughs> gratuitous j- j- jokes podcasting podcaster amusing himself also, it's been a while since I've talked about Amuse Bush. I, I, I know the season of Top Chef started when I'm recording this. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be over. But I kind of like watching that in one big chunk the whole season. So I haven't watched it yet. So I don't know if they made any Amuse Bush. Amuse Bush. It's even a hard word to say. But this podcast is kind of like like. It includes, I think that's like a little bite. That's what a moose bush is. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, chefs and linguists. The, the uh, what was my point? Oh, I'm here to take your mind off stuff so to keep you company in the deep dark night. And the way I'm going to do it is, if you're new, it, it's a little bit different. This podcast is like one without tech. It, it's it's got. It, I do have microphone technique, and not you know not on the level of the great, uh, you know, hip hop and R and B performers and MCs of the world. But I do have microphone technique to keep these lowing, soothing, creaky dulcet tones going, and so I can really be there for you. Uh, but if you're new, here's a couple of things to know. This show is different, and initially it won't make a lot of sense and you'll say what is this or what is he doing or what is he talking about and sometimes you might say it in a voice that's not like that and that's cool it usually works best if you give the podcast a few tries kind of passively uh but initially with some skepticism i totally understand that structurally what to expect if you were thought you were skeptical before uh Structurally, what to expect is the show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep a podcast podcast free and keep that 90 hours of work a week it takes to keep the show going. That's the business side. Then there's like a 12 or 14 minute intro. And, you know, a lot of times traditionally in the history of introductions, except for big speeches where you have to, you know, butter up the speech maker or award winners. Intros are usually limited to say, hey, this is a Sleep With Me podcast, podcast to put you to sleep. Now I'm going to tell you a bedtime story. And when I first started making a podcast, it was a bit like that. But what I learned over time is that, you know, people, not everybody falls asleep at the same pace. And no one, uh, except for like some of us, falls asleep really fast. And so the intro has kind of slowly evolved to, to be part of a lot of the listeners' wind-down routine. Uh, whether they're getting ready for bed or they're in bed, and then the day, you know, I'm I'm, I'm taking you into this world, the world of uh, 
Amuse bo- amu- amusing you with my mispronunciations of amuse bouche. Amusing bouches. Like you had the mighty bouche. And uh, that was amusing. That's an amusing show, too. And this is an amusing uh, bouche, too. Kind of. Uh, so, where was I? What was my. I got, I got bouched. I, I did get bouched. I'm, now I'm picturing uh, Julian's hair. Uh, Scooch your st- sticking in cookies from a, a, a British show from uh, 15 years. I say, well, yeah. It's a, have you seen his hair? It's beautiful. Okay, so let me get back. Where was it? Oh, so I was saying, oh, the intros are really long because I tend to try to describe the intro and how it should work. And then I go off topic. And believe me, I, I was interrupting going off topic because I was thinking about it. Then I started thinking about Russell Brand. One part of my brain said, those two are friends. And they said, okay, but let's get back to the new listeners. So, And then some listeners skip the intro, about 2 or 3% of people. And then more and more people are listening during the day. A part of also part of a wind down routine or an unwinding routine, and that's kind of how the intro became settled on that. You know, twelve to fourteen to eleven to seventeen to fifteen to sixteen to eighteen or so minutes is that uh, it's kind of like a it gives you a chance if you're new to get to know me, which you might say. Uh, Okay, I've gotten to know you. Now I know I don't need to give you my full attention. I'd say job done. It also makes a bedtime kind of, you say, well, I don't know what Scoots is going to talk about. Because one of the things is that the variety of the show, I feel like those parts of us that are keeping us awake are very adaptable. You know, they're somehow wound in with our human nature. And so they adapt. You might say, well, I'm going to bomb my feet, then I'm going to bomb my elbows. And that might routine might work for a while uh, to help you unwind, uh, but as soon as it becomes predictable, maybe that you know b- brain, you know brain that's worried about spreadsheets or whatever starts carping back up. Uh, it, it says this: there's nothing amusing about these bushes, uh, and also you know like so. That's why the podcast has this long intro that changes every time. Because ideally, if you become a regular, so you get in bed and you say, "Oh boy." Scoots is going to talk about nothing for 14 minutes, but it's going to be about something kind of, and also nothing. And you see, I don't even know how, like how it's possible, but it's, it's, it's like, uh, you see, well, describe the humor it used in the sleep with me podcast intro. And you say, well, hold on. I don't know if it's humorous. Uh, it's, it's more of an amuse. So, so it's amusing. No, just short of amusing. It's amuse. A bit like amuse bouche. And they'd say, isn't that like a mouthful of, uh, it's not an appetizer because it's too small. And technically, I've seen it on Top Chef, and I think at really fancy restaurants, they give it to you like because they've charged you so much. They say, well, this is an 11-course menu, if you count the amuse bouche and the palate cleansers. A, and it's, yeah, I think it's just a mouthful. That's what it, and Scoots is a, just an ear. He's almost not an earful. They say, okay, I'm not following you. And you say, yeah, exactly. That's how, so that's the intro of the podcast. It took me a while to get there. Uh, then after the intro, uh, we will be talking about, uh, an episode of Dr. Who in a kind of indirect, this one would be pretty indirect. You say, well, these were the character names. One of the characters named Scooty. And so that was cool. And so we'll talk about that episode and then we'll kind of talk about, well, what is some of the things that I wondered about? Like, uh, what is metallurgy? Is that actually a thing or not? Uh, that didn't come up as just a random example. So it's a structure of the show in between the intro and the show is a business uh, to keep sponsors that help keep the show free. And at the end of the show is thank you. So people help keep the show going. So that's just structurally how the show works. And uh, like, uh, Oh yeah, you don't need to listen. I think we kind of established that, but here's other uh, funny thing. There's no pressure for you to fall asleep. The episodes are an hour. Because I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to take your mind off stuff, uh, to be at your bedside, kind of clowning around, if you wish, and to be your boyfriend. So, like, to to be almost amusing. You'd say, yeah, he just, uh, 
it's an amuse. It, like there's amusement parks, there's amusing things, there's amusements, and you, like maybe amuse bouche and uh, amusements are not. But, but you'd say, well, that's an amusing. Ideally, I don't want to like uh, tell tell anybody how to do things. Uh, but here's, and I don't know if I've actually had an amuse bouche. Uh, like uh, the last time I ate at a restaurant with courses was. Uh, like I don't think Golden Corral counts as a, but they, here's a tip. If you have Golden Corral, maybe have an amuse-bouche station. Uh, but so, uh, what was my point? I was going to, oh, here's the, if you're going to, if you're, if you are, if you're a kid listening, you or, or uh, you know, you're on your third or your fourth act, believe me, my wife's had more than two acts. So don't let people, you know, do that to, to you, whoever said that. Uh, is uh, so if you're a chef on your first act or your fourth act, uh, if you're in the middle of a play playing a chef, don't uh, stick to your play. You probably should, you'd be listening to this podcast right now. You should be out there on stage. But otherwise, if you are designing amuse bouches, maybe a, a, a little clue could be: Is this going to be amusing? And, you know, transcendently, I mean, like the broader sense of amusing, because you say, well, because a lot of these good cooks, they take you on a journey, right? Or chefs, excuse me. uh, And I think uh, this is just my philosophy that I just came up with now on Amuse Bouche. It's like a treaty on Amuse Bouche. And also uh, illustrated pictures from the Mighty Bouche. a fan, a fan, a piece of fan fiction, and a cookbook by Scoots. Uh, well, mostly it's not cooking; it's a philosoph. It's me philosoph- philosophizing on making your bushes amusing or amused. You say, "Well, oh boy, what is, is that? Uh, what is that on my the back of my palate there? And is this both hot and cold at the same time? Mac, holy mac! Is this macaroni? You say, "No, it's." Uh, it's mochi, you know, th- that's usually what they say on the show when it's good, or on those cooking shows. No, no, it's a mochi uh, compote with, uh, like, uh, uh, they say, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, there was sunchokes were big. This was probably like five seasons ago. Let's say, say it's a compote of mo- mo- mochi stuff with sun sunchokes. And they say, gosh, darn, right? I said, holy macaroni. And I'm saying it again because, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to say holy mochi, sun choke, roni. Anyway, I guess I'm off topic. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off to sleep, to be your friend, uh, to be your boar bud, because I've been there and I believe it for you. Maybe you could believe it with me. You do deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a life where you can flourish and where you treat yourself and, and you're treated with dignity and respect. And I hope I can provide a little solace, a little amuse. I guess it, uh, over, word scoots is overused. Amuse. Words, here, Alec, I'll take uh, words I almost rhymed for 300. What is fuse and amuse no those actually rhyme oh that wasn't the, that was incorrect oh because I, I think i was supposed to say amuse and uh misuse in a, a, a yeah you're right alec thanks I'll, I'll get back to the end of the intro oh it's also alex he just frowned at me wrote it on my he wrote it on his screen it's a host of jeopardy I have a mirror, like a, a mirror, like, a, well, anyway, another facet of my imagination, we could say, if it was only true, if I didn't have a direct 24-7 feed to Alex Trebek, Alex Trebek, you see, where, when did, what, what happened to where the Jeopardy, when Jeopardy became avant-garde, they say, well, that was a guy from Sleep With Me, he, 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 poor Alex, he got a, he somehow had a 24-7 feed of the dearest scooter in his brain and so yeah he started coming up with these strange questions uh you know and he also switched to only eating amuse bouche he would demand all his meals be broken into tiny mouth bites and that took a lot of time for him to eat a meal because it would be like uh you know 
84 servings, you know, just for, for lunch because they were small servings. So that was it. That was it for Jeopardy. Oh, thanks. Uh, anyway, I'm back. <laughs> so I don't know where I went, but that's kind of how the podcast works. I'm here to help. If, if you're your first few times listening, you know, I know not everybody likes this show and I know it doesn't work for everybody. So if you're sitting here and you're on the fence or, or maybe you're feeling like, uh, I, I'm not sure I, this is for me, give it a few tries or, or not. Uh, there are other sleep with me like shows out there and there's plenty of audio books and, and other stuff to test out. Uh, but I'm here to help in my own unique way, but most of the listeners and I, there's a good amount of listeners to this show and 90% of them say it took two or three tries until uh, the show started working for me. And I understood it's, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the Bush part of it, it got the, I got that he was barely amusing right away. But what was the meaning of a Bush? Like a bit like a whoosh or, or uh, like, so that's it. I'm here to help. I work very hard at this show. And I strive and I yearn because I really want to help you fall asleep. Thank you so much for your time and for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. So, you know, if you're still with us and you could pay attention, it's a huge help in, in, in keeping the podcast out there for everybody. Thanks. All right. So we're here talking about uh, season two, episode eight or nine, depending on how you define uh, where it falls uh, if you're watching on uh, Amazon Prime, though it's episode nine. Uh, but in the official uh, schedule, it was episode eight. It's a long story, but uh, it, the title of the episode is The Impossible Planet. And it is a two parter. And oh boy, are those, those two hands are full of uh, parts. So, holy mackerel. Uh, and it opens at first. I thought the TARDIS was in a warehouse, which it kind of is. Uh, you kind of see something that looks like a, uh, a conveyor belt type thing and, and stuff looking like it is being stored. Uh, the TARDIS has uh, oh, indigestion. That was funny. Rose says, uh, and then Rose says, we could go somewhere else. Uh, it looks weird here. They, they have a big laugh about that. Uh, I think we're in a cupboard. Uh, Oh, but they talk about the indigestion. What does this say? Doctor, have a lunch, door 15. Oh, let me see. Uh, oh, like uh, the, the, the uh, yeah, like the TARDIS didn't want to land uh, inside a cupboard. Oh, they try to figure out we're in some kind of base, moon base, a sea base, a space base, uh, built out of a kit. And every time they open and close the door, it says uh, open door 15, close door 15, open door 16, close door 16. Uh, doctor, the doctor mentions, uh, where was I? Oh, the, 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 the flat packs and this case, case was built in a kit. Uh, you know, and he says, oh, wait a second, this is a sanctuary base. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, flat pack wardrobe. Uh, uh, deep space. He goes. This is a deep space uh, exploration base. Uh, and then he. This is like where they're hearing things. This came up a couple of times in the first season. And he goes, listen to that, Rose. Uh, it's a drilling. Uh, it says interesting. And then the the, the um uh the the, the um. There's a big sign on the wall. The doctor says, hold on. What's that? It says, welcome to Hockey Sticks Academy, uh, where we double your, your hockey. Like, there's two hockey sticks. Uh, and then there's these words that the, the, the doctor can't read. They haven't been translated. He goes, I thought, the, or Rose says, I thought the TARDIS translated everything. Then we hear some string music. Uh, and the doctor goes, we're, he goes, that's weird. Uh, we're beyond uh, the, the, the reach of TARDIS's knowledge. we got to find out who's in charge. Uh, writing's got to be old, impossibly old, which brought up how old is the TARDIS, uh, which I did look into. Uh, then they open door 19, uh, and uh, the doctor goes, hey, nice base. There's these creatures. Ends up they're called the Ood. 
uh, like, uh, and they say, hey, we're here to bring you lunch, basically. A little bit of a tease out uh, before the opening, uh, but all in fun and misdirection. They say, geez, we, we must feed our guests here. And then there's music. Uh, they go, uh, uh, would you, we're having some trouble communicating, but do you want any refreshments? Uh, then door 18 opens and humans come out. Uh, and they say, what in the uh, Hockey Sticks Academy is going on here? And they kind of looked like they were in the uh, army or something. That's what I put, army units, leather coats. Uh, we got people here, uh, referring to the doctor and Rose. Uh, and they, the, the, they go back to their commander who says, that's not possible. Uh, how would we have visitors on a space base? Uh, uh, out here, which the doctor's a little confused. Uh, and they go, how'd you get here? And the doctor says, I don't even know where we are. Then they go, hang on. Uh, we have a, the, this academy. The reason we double your hockey sticks is because we have a off-road Zamboni, uh, which is what we're riding in. And they say, hold on. And then everything starts getting very, very bumpy. Uh, in something big one, five alarm, uh, star shunting TNG. Oh, like, uh, when, when it's, uh, bumping, it was like a TNG when they pretend like everything's shaking. Uh, then they have this OMG moment. They see real people. I can't believe we got other real people there. Uh, uh, doctor goes, yeah, hooray, real people, uh. And Rose goes, yeah, I'm Rose Tyler, definitely real. This is the doctor. And they say, come on, uh, this really is uh, real people. Uh, they go back and forth. Uh, we meet, we get a little bit more of a tease of who the Ood are. The uh, doctor goes, where are we? What planet are we on? And they go, this isn't a planet. Why would it have a name? It's not a planet. It's a Hockey Sticks Academy. Uh, then they do a check-in. Doctor does not have a name. Not so bad. Uh, not so bad. Shake effects. We meet Ida, Danny, uh, to- not, to- uh, Toby, not my, a.k.a. not my department, Toby. Yeah, he's one of the characters. Uh, Zach, uh, Commander Zach. Uh, Zachary Cross of Flame. Uh, like I said, that's a pretty cool name. Uh, uh, Ida is a science officer. Uh, they say, well, this is a storm. They say, no, there's no storm. It's no atmosphere. Uh, so Zachary Cross fame is captain. Mr. Jefferson's in charge of, uh, uh, like, uh, safety, making sure everybody has their skates and their helmets. Danny Bartok is in charge of ethics. Uh, Toby Zed is in, in charge of saying, it's not my department. Scooty. Menista. So we first get our first scooter like character. She's a trainee in maintenance. Uh, and then the character speaking, who is Ida, I believe, says, This is home. Then a door opens in the ceiling, and we see that the Hockey Stick Academy is somehow floating above a black hole, which they say is impossible. They say, You know, we're in orbit around it. And the doctor says, you can't be. And they say, perpetual uh, geosynchronous orbit or whatever, uh, geostationary orbit, uh, Ida says. And they say, disgust, uh, doctor goes, uh, and Rose, Rose must have not missed one of the only interesting science lessons other than dinosaurs, which was black holes. Or maybe the doctor just explains her because she, she says, what's that? I mean, I think she knows what a dinosaur uh, because she says, yeah, we should be pulled in, right? And the doctor goes, yeah. And they go, uh, so what's up there making all of the shaking? Like, what are we driving? And they said, we're driving on stars. So we get a Zamboni that drives on stars. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, just discuss. Uh, let's see. Welcome aboard. A bit worse than a storm. We get a cool view of the base and the rocks. Uh, then Toby goes out door 28. He's got blueprints. Print, uh, and he hears some whispering. He says, who's that? And they say, former 
director of this academy in the computer compute uh, competition with an ancient hockey stick method. He also says the Ray Rocket Link is fine, or somebody says that. Somebody says something about K37 gems or gems. They talk about a crop tour and uh, the, it's a better pill to swallow. Oh, they're trying to figure out. Uh, oh, that was what the, this, uh, the black hole is K37 uh, Gen 5. Uh, then, uh, uh, according to the Faltino, this is called crop tour, the bitter pill. And the black hole uh, swallowed and then spit it back out. And Rose goes, I like it. Uh, and the doctor goes, well, how, do we, how did you get out here? And they go, we flew in because of the generator, generator gravity field. Uh, uh, somehow kept constant, you know, the gravity funnel. Uh, and Rose goes, you flew in here like a roller coaster? They go, yeah, but we shouldn't have. Uh, uh, but we made it. We're really looking for the power or whatever's powering that. Uh, it could solve everything. Uh, you know, solve it, uh, gravity funnel. Oh, I'd like this term, needs must, uh, oh, phenomenal amounts of power. What does that say? Calvo Tavatur. What was your name? We have noidals. Uh, let me look here. Uh, oh, Rose tries to meet the Ood, but they say we don't have names. We're kind of like a collective being. Uh, they, but, uh. Oh, doctor also picks up a calculator and starts doing some calculating. Uh, we find out the, the Ooter are a bit like droids. They get stuck working uh, without pay. And they, Scooty even calls Rose a friend of the Ood. She goes, since when is this cool that you could just make a collective being to work for you? Uh, let's see. And the doctor goes, geez, to generate that gravity field, you need a power source with the inverted self-reflux uh, uh, six to the power of six every six seconds. Uh, uh, triple sixes, if you catch my drift. Uh, and they go, uh, how'd you figure that out so fast? It took us like a bunch of, uh, you know, years to figure that out. And the doctor says, I'm good. Uh, and they go, yeah, we've been digging, digging down uh, 10 miles below uh, to find the power source. 90 stats on blazing scale or something. Uh, chief Rose goes, what are you, the chief dramatist? That was a great joke, uh, which doctors thought was very funny, too. And they said, well, there's some great civilization. I think Toby's like... Uh, that's what the writing is. I can't translate it. And that's probably what the power source is. It's built, you know, it called us in. That's why we're here. And uh, the doctor goes, uh, what was your name? And he says it to the captain. Zach goes, uh, he goes, Zach, right? Zach goes, yep. And the doctor goes, uh, what made you come here? He gets all uh, human loving again. Because he was here, and he has to give Zach a big hug. I'm gonna. He goes. I'm gonna hug you. Is that all right? And he gives a. It's a very sweet moment. Because uh, it seemed like Zach needed a hug, and uh, uh, it was a really genuine, uh, good hug. Uh, Zach accepted it. Uh, lots of human love. Uh, you know, the doctor loves humans. Uh, he was amazing human beings. Uh, and he goes, you should get out of here. Uh, I don't know what you're doing here anyway. And they go, how'd you get here? And the doctor goes, oh, my ship. It was in the, the habitation area three. And they go, you mean storage six? And they go, yeah, cupboard or something. And then they go, oh, boy, that one fell down the well or something. Uh, we probably won't hear from that for a while. Oh, also, when the doctor was doing all the human loving, Rose was loving his loving. Uh, we also get some good views of the doctor's tie and ascot. Oh, it's a very slow burn of the missing TARDIS. Uh, and there's like Mission Impossible music playing. The uh, doctor gets to door 16, it won't open. The TARDIS is gone. The door's out of commission. 
uh, you can't believe, you know, disbelief. And then there's a zoom out for the whole base. Uh, then we talk about, uh, what is this? It? Robot drills and duty rosters. We've only recently tinging our, uh, well, let me see what that says. Uh, uh, let's see. They, 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 they just talk about drilling. Oh, they, here's a, let's see. Tardis must have got down. Oh, we only have one drill, one shaft. That's all we got equipment for. So, you know, we could give you a lift back uh, once we're done. And the doctor kind of worries, you know, oh, boy, I got Rose into another one. And Rose goes, Doc, we're right at a hockey academy that doesn't even teach hockey, that has an off-road Zumba or whatever. Uh, don't worry, this is wild. Uh, let's see. This doctor apologizes to Rose. They have a sad hug with a zoom out. Uh, sides like real codal slides it seem like they are on tape. Oh, like there's it looks like there's slides, uh, photograph slides uh, for a slide projector on their table. Then they have a night working playlist, Ravel's Bolero. Uh, Gamma Fantry, I don't know what that's, uh, uh, but there's a dude, like a dude working in luggage, uh, uh, Toby starts walking near door 38, he says, stop it, damn old template of oud is missing, uh, or oh, the temperature of the oud habitat is uh, rising, actually. And, uh, yeah, Toby goes to door 38. He's trying to find something. He, he keeps hearing that old hockey coach uh, who says, there's a better way. Yeah, Toby, join me. Uh, then it's lunchtime. Rose says, they go, the Ood says to her, you want some sauce with that? She goes, oh, yeah, I'll give it a go. And she says, you know, I was a dinner lady once at a, in an earlier episode this season. It looked like, or maybe they did give her a soy sauce and a brown sauce. I think they might have had two sauces. Uh, I put oud Freudian slip. Oh, yeah, the ouds keep having Freudian slips about you know, wanting to take baths and uh, hang glide, which doesn't have anything to do with hockey. You see a 3D drilling model that made me say WTF for some reason. Uh, then we could close door three. Toby gets woken up, uh, and they, they get, they sing as the old hockey coach sings, uh, total eclipse of the heart. He says, don't turn around. And he says, you have so many names, uh, nicknames, you know, uh, sweet skates, uh, you know, the pucky, pucky LaRue, uh, so many, you know, he goes, that's what I'm known as, but don't look, uh, then uh, the language is going off the paper in the pottery, and then it's on Toby in a henna style tattoo. Uh, this is really interesting, it's tough to follow stuff. Uh, then Zach, uh, they say, uh, they say, oh boy, a scarlet system, something, a big moment in history. Oh, yeah, this is kind of interesting. Red Cloud used to be a scarlet system. Home to a mighty civilization spanning a billion years. And it goes into the black hole, really watching uh, at time. But uh, uh, I thought Ida was a little too enthusiastic about that and too enthralled. They uh, continue, you know, considering the moment. Uh, they say, leave it open. Uh, the doctor says, I want to keep looking. I Don't worry, it won't bother me. Uh, how do you diner? That just eats, uh, it, the black hole just eats things. Because uh, Rose says, isn't it a gateway to the universe? The doctor goes, not that one. This one's just a, uh, just an eater. Uh, let's see. Scooty has to go check out some doors. Uh, Rose's phone's out of range. She can't call her mom. So they have another thing about, you know, I'm supposed to get you back to Jackie. The doctor goes, we're, we're 500 years from anywhere. Uh, can you build a TARDIS? No, this was really important. The, the TARDISes are grown and not built, yo. Uh, so we're, you know, kind of stuck. Uh, 
the doctor goes, well, what are we going to do? We get a ride from them? And Rose goes, yeah, and then we'll live our lives together. Maybe we'll hold hands and stuff, have a proper house. I think the doctor says that. I could settle down in a house now. That's pretty wild. Uh, so they have some laughs about it. But, you know, the doctor returns to, he says, you know, I told Jackie I'd get you home. And Rose goes, don't worry, we'll sort it out. Uh, and she says, everyone leaves home in the end. And I don't mind being stuck with you. You know, that's pretty sweet. Uh, uh, then the phone rings. Uh, he's awake. Uh, somebody says on the other line, and they mean the new ho- the old hockey coach. Uh, then Toby wakes up. There's a drama. There's a rush to the, the, the ood. We learn they communicate by a low-level tep- telepathic field. Uh, uh, but it's up to basic 30. It's only supposed to be at, like, ba- you know, basic 5. Uh, so, you know, you could tell the would be a basic. Uh, they wouldn't even say, they'd say, sure, sure uh, that's the field we communicate on. Uh, but a basic 30 means they're hearing something loud or something. Uh, and then the Hood starts talking about a better hockey academy, like they're uh, some sort of viral advertiser. For another company, though, they say this hockey academy is not as good as another one, an ancient one. Uh, let's see. They see the hockey academy where you could worship the founder. Scooty's looking for Toby, open door 41. What? Uh, she goes, what, what do you mean? Someone went outside without a space suit on? Without hockey skates? So, you know, snowsuit, not a space suit. But both of those. Uh, uh, then what does this say? Stoddy, static, he's awake. Uh, he bathes in the black sun. That's how tough this hockey coach thinks he is. That's what he claims one of his nicknames is. Uh, <laughs> I say, well, that's a pretty big nickname to claim for yourself, cowboy. Uh, Toby kind of uh, kind of goes into this like laughing state, uh, a bit like a, a movie. Um, but I do like uh, from a long time ago. And then he has the some sort of hockey force. Scooty looks at him. She's like, what are you doing outside? And he forces, forces a hole breach, uh, which he says, Scooty, you're going to the other academy. Uh, but that, you know, upsets the balance of the ship. Everyone runs around for a while until they get the breach sealed. Uh, Toby sneaks back and tries to play cool. Uh, but Scooty's gone to the new, she actually ends up going to the academy, a great academy in the sky. Because they say, there's two academies competing with this other hockey academy. One in the, the like, uh, ancient pits, other in the black hole. So Scooty goes to the black hole to go to the hockey academy. Uh, Toby has his hands behind his back in habitation for three have sun protected on with a dash of three, not here, or a big black hole in the sky. Uh, let me look at what any of that means. A breach sealed. Uh, uh, it could go habitation three. I could use a drink. Uh, protein one with a dash of three. Oh, that's one of the Rose's drinks that she likes uh, that they make on the ship. Uh, they say, well... Uh, Oh, this is when they find out they get Scooty's letter. Sorry, I uh, decided to go to another uh, thing. Even though we were friends, uh, and she had that sweet nickname, Scooty, or real name. Uh, I say, well, I'm going to miss that. And they say that she decided to do that. 43K 2.1. I guess that's the year. And they really take it hard. There's some big music kind of underlying that. Uh, that she's on the count. Maybe she was their young rookie star. I mean, was it weird that I had a crush on Scooty, even though she has the same nickname as me? Yeah, then they say the drill just stopped. We made it to point zero. Uh, uh, they put. Then they say, let's put a hold on the Ood, because they're acting like they want to work at this other academy. We got to go down and check the where the drill ended up. The doctor goes, I'm re- I'm going. Uh, and they get into spacesuits, and uh, let's see, it's tough. See you later. Not if I see you first. That's what the doctor and Rose go back and forth. 
uh, like uh, they have a laugh and a serious moment and the music rises. Then she goes to a helmet kiss. Uh, then they say, we can't override the, uh, oh, they say, Danny says, Ooh, stay here. No overrides. You got that? And they all just sit there. So the doctor and, uh, uh, Ida are going to go down in the well in spacesuits, uh, there's a capsule countdown for them to go down there. Uh, they salute, somebody salutes them and Rose waves goodbye. Uh, what's his name? Is looking at his hands like he had, you know, too many, uh, like, uh, like he's still a silly, 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 silly. I mean, uh, there's lots of 3D maps, uh, and uh, descent shots, a little bit like uh, back in uh, was at Sea Base Alpha in Disney World, where you went on a pretend elevator, the hydrolator. Uh, they say, "Hey, breathing is good. Make sure everybody's breathing." Uh, doctor Ro- Rose says that I think to the doctor. Uh, the Udall kind of stand and turn, uh, their arms at their sides. Everything is still heading out now. Massive. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so the doctor. Everything is still. The doctor and uh, um, Ida head out of the tube into this massive cave. They use a gravity globe, which is kind of like a frozen floating lantern. They forget which uh, Harry Potter. It's the same as the Harry Potter one uh, uh, Incantorum or some incandescent to Phantorum uh, Incantorum. It's a big chamber. There's kind of like a giant temple with some statues. Uh, Ida says we got to go north to northwest. Uh, and they say, well, we can't really read you down there. Not really good. Uh, and she goes, okay, well, let's just go this way. There's no headed back. Uh, and the doctor goes, those are not things you're supposed to say. And this was a shout out to the East Enders. He says, uh, it's almost as bad as nothing can go wrong. This is going to be the best Christmas Walford's ever had. So a little sh- subtle uh, cross promotion. Uh, then the Uder staring at Danny. They hit up, they, they say, Danny, you're basic, basic 100. Uh, then they find a big metal disc or, or a seal, looks like. Uh, and they see, is this a door that opens? Uh, it's 30 feet in diameter. Uh, then Danny is back in his henna tattoos, and uh, he's kind of pulling like a little bit of a, uh, like uh, the scene from Dustbusters, a movie, like he, he like a little bit like a gozer. He, he's pulling a gozer, uh, and you see, is that gozer or is that uh, Sigourney Weaver or is that Danny? And uh, they, uh, uh, they say report back or something, and then Toby stretches out, uh, and the gozer thing passes on to the ood and out of Toby. The doctor wants to go back up the tube to check on Rose. All the ood's start using their lights. Uh, they say, "Oh boy, like everything's going to uh, he double hockey sticks in a basket at this hockey sticks academy." Yeah, because they say, what are the Danny's was acting weird now? The Ood are trouble. The Ood start running, uh, trying to run the show. The doctor doesn't want to know what's going on. Zach, uh, uh, with a cool name, he can't get a hold of anybody. Uh, they, and then the Ood start talking as a group. They go, yeah, we work for the new, we're working at the new hockey academy. Look at this team we're going to have. We're calling ourselves the Hockey Legion. The Legion will be many. The Legion shall be few. And they go, we don't know what's going on. They say, yeah, Abaddon, Croptor. Uh, really, this is going to be like the best hockey academy. Just like that movie. And everyone's confused, clearly, because they say, well, we had our own academy. And it was really just a, like a, uh, a cognitive dissonance d- d- a device to get us through being stuck on this planet outside a black hole. It's not a, not even a real hockey academy. We were just play acting. And now we have a, co- a competitor. Uh, then they find out, oh boy, there's real shaking because the whole plant, the whole academy's moving, not just the uh, 
Zamboni. They say the doctor's unsure of which way to go downstairs. Uh, gravity fields losing orbit. The door that was sealed is opening up. Uh, and the coming from the door that opens is the head of the hockey academy saying, my hockey academy is going to be free. And everyone says, free academy that's real and not imaginary. We better wait till next week for the rest of the uh, episode. All right, let's run through some stuff that came up in this episode. This was from newatlas.com, August 20th, 2018. Nick LaVars wrote this article, uh, Five of the Finest of Flatpak Homes. And talk about making me wish I had property. This uh, is really cool. Uh, and I'll be quoting and reading directly from it. Uh, there's a little uh, doubt that the neatly packaged nature of a certain Swedish furniture maker's products are a big reason for its success. And lately we've been looking into how that can translate into alternative housing solutions. Uh, uh, whether it's convenience of fast pop-up style construction or the ability to con- transport complete housing lo- kits to locations, low fa- low cost, uh, prefabricated flat pack homes are emerging as an increasingly popular option for house hunters around the globe. So there's a few of them. Kubico's C-U-B-I-C-C-O, hurricane-resistant homes. They offer a range of them from small shelters to homes with a couple of bedrooms, uh, sustainably sourced wood, vertical gardens, green roofs, uh, solar, uh, rainwater harvesting. Uh, so, uh, and they can stand up to winds of uh, 290 kilometers an hour, uh, starting at about uh, 60K U.S., then there's uh, the Bright Space by Ava 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 Va Systems. Uh, it can operate on or off grid. Uh, rainwater harvesting takes about six weeks to assemble. Uh, Weather resistant hardwood siding or picture or stucco. A tasteful mix of high end materials: bamboo, maple, oak. Uh, starts at about 90k during installation. This one came it's M A M period A period uh, D I house by Renato Vidal. This one looks pretty sweet. It's A frame. Uh, Renato Vidal, Italian architect, created this home from cross laminated timber and did so in a way that enables it to be shipped out and folded open on site. Uh, forming a complete two-level house in less than a day. Uh, unfolded home has a height of uh, 21.3 feet. Uh, can be extended by adding more modules. Uh, the furnishings uh, come on mounting boards. can be installed in a day, uh, about $933 per square meter. There's the Plus Hus uh, by Minarch. Uh, 320 square foot uh, flat pack home assembled in a few days on site. Uh, all furnishings uh, cut to size to keep uh, waste to a minimum. Uh, recycled materials, high insulation values, uh, 40% more energy efficient than traditional homes. Uh, three sizes from 37 to $49,000. There's the Kiss House, uh, which uh, reaches the gold standard for energy efficiency, uses cross-laminated timber, uh, is gaining recognition as a sustainable alternative, uh, comes in three different sizes, from two to four bedrooms, uh, with a 923.5 square foot footprint. Uh, arrives as stacks of panels, uh, uh, prefabbed off-site that can be assembled on a prepared slab in three to four days. Uh, they can be carried anywhere in the world, uh, about uh, 2,500 per square meter. Uh, so that's like uh, around a 200K, right? A thousand would be 85,000 oh, per square meter. Yeah, so about, yeah, it's not, not inexpensive. Uh, so that so those are some uh, prefab houses. It also brought up what's uh, 
cross-laminated timber. So we'll look that up on Wikipedia. Also known as CLT is a wood panel product made from, made from gluing layers of solid sawn lumber together. So you've probably seen this look before. Each layer of boards is oriented perpendicular to adjacent layers and glued on the wide faces of the board, uh, usually in a symmetric way so that the outer layers have the same orientation. Usually an odd number of layers is most common. Uh, the regular, uh, like, uh, just makes it more stiff uh, and rigid structurally, kind of like plywood. It was first developed in Germany and Austria in the 90s, uh, but then in the 2000s, it got wider usage in Europe, uh, in various building systems, you know, because uh, it's more sustainable. Uh, so it usually can be, it's uh, split up into different steps. You can read more about it via the show notes. It's interesting. Uh, what about string instruments? Uh, we talk about it a lot, but, uh, let's look at the, the, you know, music's the produce musical instruments that produce sound from vibrating strings. Uh, you can pluck the strings or hit them or rub them with a bow. Or, you know, tie, you know, those are a few of my favorite things. Uh, or, uh, you know, like the harpsichord, which is, which I love. Uh, it is plucked by when you press the keys. Uh, with bowed instruments, the player rubs the strings with a horsehair bow, causing them to vibrate. With a hurdy-gurdy, you know, a musician operates a mechanical wheel that rubs the strings. Now, the early string instruments that date to around 1300, uh, uh, BCE, uh, seen in a cave painting in France, uh, which may depict a musical bow. Uh, and actually, a hunting bow is uh, used as a single-stringed instrument, uh, and it developed from there. Uh, bow harps, harps, lyres. Oh, sorry, even those, uh, we've seen uh, Roman and Greek uh, uh, horse people playing lyres. Uh, which eventually led to them being able to play dyads and chords. Uh, another innovation occurred when the bow harp was straightened out and a bridge was used to lift the strings off the neck, uh, creating the lute. Uh, the picture, this picture, of the, uh, so like uh, archaeological digs discovered some in ancient Mesopotamian sites, uh, uh, some liars. Uh, uh, so the, and there's other discoveries. So just a little bit about the history of uh, stringed instruments. They did try to find the age of the TARDIS. Um, I don't know if I did though. Let's see. Uh, uh or anything else we we haven't talked about. I know we've briefly talked about it. Uh, TARDISes are grown, as stated by the Dance Doctor in the Impossible Planet. Uh. Uh, and they can only be grown uh, on uh, Doctor's home, home planet of Gallifrey. Uh, they draw power from several sources, but primarily, primarily from the Eye of Harmony, uh, said to be the nucleus of a black hole created by the early Time Lords, uh, a singularity. Uh, they also draw power from the entire universe, as we covered earlier this season. Uh, let's see. Other elements uh, needed uh, include mercury, uh, Zetion 7, uh, trachnoid time crystals, Arton energy. Uh, must also be have a bi- be primed with the biological imprint of a Time Lord, uh, which just happens when the Time Lord operates it for the first time. Uh, I'm looking for ages, though. They're shown to be incredibly rugged and can stand, withstand almost anything. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they can deal with that. The Doctor's TARDIS uh, is an obsolete 44, Type 40 TT capsule uh, borrowed from a repair shop. Uh, uh, let's see. 40 TTs navigational systems have malfunctioned. 
It was already old when the first doctor took it, but the age is not specified. Uh, Time Lord Professor Cronitis says that Type 40 models came out when he was a boy. And there was originally 305 registered Type 40s. Uh, but all the others had been decommissioned and replaced by newer models. So it's interesting. The doctors got a hoopty of a TARDIS uh, in a good way. Uh, yeah, the doctor had been on board, at least, as far as we know. In 1978, it had been 523 years. Uh, 2011, 700 years. In 2013, probably 900 years, uh, depending on what episode. Uh, so, yeah, it could be. It's pretty pretty old. Uh, I wouldn't say ancient, uh, because uh, I, I just wouldn't. But I guess it depends on how you decide that. What about uh, Space uh, GH, uh, Space Casper Buddy? Uh, he was a superhero of with a different name uh, created by Hanna-Barbera. Uh, believe it or not, in the 60s, uh, he had teen sidekicks, uh, Jan and uh, Jason Blip. Uh, and in the 90s, uh, Space Ghost was... Uh, Space, uh, was a space Buddy was a host of a show, a Space Buddy Coast to Coast, uh, on a, a Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. I don't know what made me think of this, uh, but uh, it debuted in 66. Uh, let's see, when I first encountered him, a Space space Buddy would uh, deal with Moltar, Zorak, uh, Metallus, Brack, uh, Crete, uh, uh, and Brack. Uh, the original series has shared time with uh, an unrelated segment called Dino Boy and Lost in the Lost Valley. Uh, there were 42 Space Buddy episodes and 18 Dino Boy episodes, uh, and uh, it was voiced by Gary Owens. Uh, then in '81, there was 22 new segments on Space Stars on NBC. Was this when I first saw it? I don't think so. That would have been, I think I was too young. Uh, I guess so. Maybe it was on some sort of recap, because I don't think I saw it in 1981. Uh, then uh, Space Buddy started a show in 94. Wow, this happened in 94? It was a late-night interview show. Uh, ghost guests included Beck, David Byrne, Bill Nye, Penn and Teller, Hanson, Joel Hodgson, Jim, Jim Carrey, John Benjamin, John Stewart, Conan, Thurston Moore, uh, Weird Al, Timothy Leary, and Mark Hamill, uh, relies on absurd, surreal. Oh, here's Cartoon Planet. This is what I saw, maybe, 80, 95. Uh, no, I guess not. Uh, when would I have watched this? I thought it was part of some other show. Uh, uh, but uh, let's see. So I guess that didn't really give, give us any information when I would have saw it. But uh, interesting, beloved thing. Another show uh, which came up. I don't know where this. Oh, because Rose says, yeah, we're real people. Uh, this was a TV show, Real People, which has come up a couple of times. Uh, Byron Allen was on it, and he owns the Weather Channel, which was mentioned in an episode of uh, The Good Place. And also somebody was a guest on it that we covered recently, but, uh, it was a show that aired Wednesdays from eight to 9 PM on NBC from 1979 to 1984. So again, I guess 8 PM, I wouldn't have been watching this uh, in 84, but, uh, I somehow encountered it. Uh, it was, uh, it, it featured a panel of seated hosts and a large studio audience, uh, pre-film segments, a comedic banner. And each segment was a visit with someone with a unique occupation or hobby. Uh, occasionally, someone was brought into the studio. In the early season, seasons, it was very popular at the top of the ratings and a rare hit when NBC was third. They also had segments calling called Funny Pictures, uh, Funny Newspaper Errors, uh, where people would get a Real People t-shirt. Uh, it also covered serious topics, uh, regular hosts, uh, Sarah Purcell, Byron Allen, Bill Rafferty, Mark Russell, Peter Billingsley, Fred Willard, John Barber. 
uh, had a batch of Im- imitators. Uh, oh, that's incredible. That's probably a show I remember. That's my line. Uh, oh, it was syndicated. So that's where I would have seen it uh, and edited into 30 minute segments called More Real People. Uh, they tried uh, doing spinoffs in the 80s. Uh, uh, Real Kids it was one of them starring Peter Billingsley. Uh, then uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, that's really it. Uh, I can't remember who was a guest on there. Someone that came up, uh, uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know, that we said, oh, okay, what about the term FYI? It means for your information, uh, but usage dates back as far as 1941. It was in a 1959 episode of a TV show. And FYIs are a subset of RFC series, uh, requests for comments. So just in case, you just, FYI, uh, what is this one? I don't know what this one is. Uh, it uh, Sometimes my notes don't uh, complete. It's a wiki here. Oh, Bella Bartok, because uh, there was a character named Bartok. A uh, Hungarian composer, a big fan of Bartok. I am ethnomusicologist. Uh, uh, 1881 to 1945, uh, he, 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 let's see, uh, childhood, early career. I want to get to like his, uh, like music theory, but this is mostly music. Uh, music reflects two trends that dramatically changed the sound of music in the 20th century. Uh, one was the breakdown of the dionic, uh, di- diatonic system of harmony that had served composers for the previous 200 years. And, uh, uh, like musical inspiration from his, uh, own country, uh, uh, Hungary, uh, in the search for new forms of tonality, uh, Bartok turned to Hungarian folk music as well as other folk music of the Carpathian Basin, uh, as well as other folk music from the Carpathian Basin, uh, even uh, into Algeria and Turkey. And in doing so, he became influential in that stream of modernism, uh, which may, you know, used indigenous music and techniques. Uh, one characteristic of his style is his night music, which is mostly used in slow movements of multi-movement ensemble or orchestral compositions in his mature period with a dissonance, uh, uh, providing a backdrop to sounds of nature and lonely melodies. Uh, uh, so uh, his music can group group oh, into d- different periods of his life, which you could read about. Uh, well, let's just see what. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess we read more about it because uh, the, the, the interesting though. We also had uh, some other ones uh, that I'll link to that I don't have quite get to, but Tunnel Boring Machines, uh, uh, Soy Sauce, uh, Basic, North by Northwest. Well, let's close out with a little um, a little lyrics uh, from a song that has to be turn around. Uh, a song called uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart by uh, Bonnie Tyler. I turn around every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming round. I turn around every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sounds of my tears. I turn around every now and then I get a little bit nervous that all the best years have gone by. I turn around every now and then I get a little bit, you know, worried. And then I see that look in your eyes. Turn around, bright eyes. Every now and then I get down. Turn around, bright eyes. Every now and then, you know, I, I lie down and I turn, roll up. Uh, I turn around. Uh, every now and then I get a little bit restless and I dream of something wild. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit helpless and I'm lying like a child in your arms. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit annoyed and I go, I've got to get out and cry. I turn around every now and then I get a little bit worried, but then I see the look in your eye and I need you now tonight. And I need you more than ever. And if only you hold me tight, we'll be holding on forever. And we'll only be making it right because we'll never be wrong.
Together we can take it to the end of the line. Your love is like a shadow on me all of the time. I don't know what to do and I'm always in the dark. We're living like a powder keg, giving off sparks. I really need you tonight. Forever is going to start tonight. Once upon a time I was falling in love, but now I'm only falling apart. There's nothing I can do. It's like a total eclipse of the heart. Uh, uh, once upon a time there was a light in my life, and now there's only love in the dark. Nothing I can say. A total eclipse of the heart. Uh, I don't see, I think if the doctor read this song, he'd say, uh, you'll watch the second episode because it's going to work out great. Uh, you never got to worry when you have a, a doc, the, doc, the doctor, you know. Because uh, he would say that uh, this hockey academy uh, might look like it's in a good having an eclipse. Uh, but he said your, your expectations are what's going to be eclipsed in the most uh, happiest of ways. Uh, so, yeah, here we go, some thank yous. <laughs>